Bible is a living book. I preached through these 12 verses multiple times. I preached in a lot this year on the road. I wanted to preach that sermon this morning. I'm going to use some stuff I've gathered. Uh, but the Lord let me see something this, mo- this last night that I want to show you this morning. Luke chapter, or Matthew, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came a wise man from the east to Jerusalem. Brother Tony said there's firemen because they came from afar. You'll get that after a while, amen. Verse 2, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art thou not least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, which had saw in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Here's my text, verse 11 this morning. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him, When they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts, gold, and frankincense. But wait, there's myrrh. Sorry, I've been waiting to do that all week. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. A lot of people think I hate Christmas. In fact, it's quite the opposite. I love Christmas. We put up, we celebrate Halloween by putting up our six Christmas trees at our house. Amen. I like what Brother Dean McNeese said. Christmas is my favorite Roman Catholic pagan holiday. All right. I just enjoy it. I have a good time. Leave my tree alone. I don't do Santa. I I will do Frosty and Rudolph, though, and Leroy. Me and Daxon like Leroy. You got to know. All right. Well, I love Christmas. I just, I don't like, I'm not big and, and I'm not being critical, okay? I'm not big into Christmas plays and some of the Christmas church Christmas songs, partly because some of them are really hard to sing. Musically, I love the song, Oh Holy Night. Me and Grace talked about that last night. I love that song. But musically, you have to have a set of pipes on you to be able to sing that. And I just don't have that, all right? I just don't, amen? And, uh, and then there's some of the other songs, you know, Joy of the World. I, I, it used to be my favorite Christmas song. So I figured out that's talking about the millennial reign. But I like that song. Uh, Silent Night, y'all know how I feel about that. Uh, Way in a Manger, that's okay. This puts me asleep, okay? But, uh, but I, I love one of the songs I I do love is oh come all you faithful joyful and triumphant i love that chorus my favorite part oh come let us adore him you know that's what that's what this chapter is about these 12 verses are about that of worship this morning there are a few misconceptions about this text one of them is that there was three wise men if you've seen a Christmas play or something like that, and I'm not being critical, but most of the time they have three wise men that uh, come down the aisle. And uh, pre- can you imagine if our church done a Christmas play with these crowd of kids? 
So I said, why don't you have a Christmas plan? I said, y'all met our kids around here, okay? I mean, it would be entertaining, but there wouldn't be a lick of God on it, okay? I mean, we'd have to charge $10 at the door. That's not a knock. That's just the truth, okay? My kids included, all right? But uh, they usually have three little fellas, and it's cute and wise men. But we don't know how many wise men they are. Most of the time, uh, we attribute to three because they brought three gifts. Uh, but we, doesn't, we, we don't know. And then another misconception that I want to deal with this morning is that these wise men showed up uh, to the manger stall there in Bethlehem. But that is not the case. In fact, in verse number 11, the Bible said, And when they were come into the house... Now, I do believe this, Brother Richie, I still believe they're in Bethlehem. Because in verse 23 of this chapter, you're later going to find that Joseph takes Mary and, and Jesus out of Egypt. We'll look at that maybe Wednesday night. And they go and they settle down in Nazareth. So I still believe in Matthew 2 they're in Bethlehem. But I believe it's about two years after Luke chapter number 2 when Christ was born. Here's why I believe that. We'll see it on Wednesday. But Herod is going to have all the babies age 2 and under uh, killed. And so that's why we put him in that age bracket. He is a toddler in this text. And here's my thought this morning. They are coming to worship him. Watch what verse 11 said. This is what jumped out to me last night. And when they were come into the house. Now, we understand that Jesus is just a toddler here, okay? But we also understand that Jesus owns it all. Jesus is living in that house. I know Joseph is the proprietor of that home. I know he owns, I get that, okay? But Jesus is in that house. And when those wise men walk into that house, they immediately knew that they ought to worship him. You know what? We, we have come today and we have gathered in the house of the Lord. Amen. I understand collectively this is the body of Christ. This is the church. But I'm glad for the local church this morning. You know what? Many times we've got church all messed up. We think church is about entertainment. We think church is about making us feel good. But these wise men this morning, they knew what to do. When they walk into that house, we said we are in Jesus' house and we ought to worship Him. Well, this morning we have gathered in the house of of God. The Bible said that this is the church of the living God. It is the pillar and the ground of the truth. I understand that Jesus said that my house should be called a house of prayer. I'm not preaching against that this morning, but prayer and worship are not enemies. Amen. In fact, if you're praying right, you're going to be worshiping in the middle of that prayer. This is a house of worship, a place where we come to lift Him up and to magnify Him. And I want to preach on this thought this morning, worshiping Jesus and at his house. Now, y'all to worship him down at your house. Amen. I believe that. I believe y'all to pray and read the Bible and worship God at your house. Y'all to have a personal time. Oh, but aren't you glad for these times that we have to come together corporately? I mean, those three wise men, we're going to say there's three. Those multiple wise men, they had each other. They had that camaraderie. They were coming together. And when they stepped in the house, when they stepped into the house of Jesus, they knew it was time to worship him. Hey, this ain't gossip time. Oh, this ain't celebrity time. Oh, this ain't concert time. This is preaching time. This is worship time. This is lifting up the Lord time this morning. We ought to worship Jesus in His house. God is seeking someone that will worship Him. The Bible said that God is a spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit. And in truth. That truth is a reference to the Word of God. And that Spirit is talking about being Spirit-filled. 
Don't tell Brother Langston. It's talking about being spirit-filled, amen. And so uh, the, the, in the Old Testament, it was the worshiper that sought the Lord. But, you know, in the New Testament, the Lord is seeking the worshiper, according to John 4. I wonder if God, and I understand, I'm just supposing here, okay, I understand God is not going to do this. But I wonder if God was riding down through Salisbury today. I hope he has a gun. I hope if God was riding down through Salisbury today and he is looking for a church where they would worship him, I wonder if he'd stop in this church. I wonder if he could attend this service and feel like he was being welcomed and know that he was being appreciated and know that he was being magnified and lifted up. Or would he find a group of people that was focused on somebody else, that was focused on other things, that was focused on the festivities of the day and not on worshiping the Lord? He is see- Hey, we have come into the house of God today. Thank God for that. And we ought to come in with a desire to worship Jesus Christ. I want to notice some things. By the way, let me say this this morning. God ain't going to worship himself. And the lost ain't going to worship him. So that only leaves one group of people. That's you and I. You know why we worship him? That word worship, it means to tell Jesus what he is worth to you. Peter put it like this. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious. Is Jesus precious to you this morning? I mean, do you have a do you have an idea of how much Jesus is worth, how precious he is, how great he is, how wonderful he is? If you do, you might worship him. No, we're too focused on seeing the family. We're too focused on the presence. We're too focused on the food, the tree, the festivities. Nothing wrong with that in this place. But this is the place where we worship him. I want to look at these wise men quickly this morning. First of all, the discernment of their perception. The discernment of their perception. Here's what I mean. These wise men knew something about worship. We are living in a generation that knows nothing about worship. All they think worship is is getting the guitar. And I'm not against the guitar. Mine's at the house. That's why it's not here. Uh, but they think getting the guitars turned up and turning the lights down and having blue and yellow and speckled lights all over the place. You know, foul, fall the bouncing ball on the TV. Let's jam for the lamb and worship. That's not worship. That's just a bunch of commotion. Uh, you know what worship is? Worship is when this book is open and the Lord is being lifted up and the Lord is magnified. You know, we think that we can only worship during the singing. Supposed to worship during preaching. Because that truth, spirit and in truth, that truth is being lifted up. And that's when we ought to worship him the most. But what do these wise men know about worship? They knew about the announcement. They knew that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. They saw that star in the east. They knew about it. They knew the prophecy. They knew the place, according to Micah 5.2. We'll read that later in this text. They knew about it. Hey, thank God for some people that know they knew that Jesus came. But then, you know how they knew all that, though? Because they've been in the Word. You know what? we got a lot of people. They want to go to church on Sunday, and they want to get their worship on, get their praise on, but they ain't spent a thimble full of five minutes in the book this week. They've not read it. They've not studied it. They've not been in prayer, but they think they're just going to uh, be bop right into the church and just start worshiping everything. Hey, if you've not been in this book this week, you're not going to worship. Amen. If you've not spent time in prayer, you're not going to worship. They, they, they spent time in God's Word. Amen. They knew about the announcement, but then, let me say this, they knew about the authority. I missed this for so long. Verse, verse number 2, saying, where is he that is born king? He wasn't born a prince. He wasn't born as an heir to the throne. That's what bothered Herod so much. 
But calls him wise men and said, where's the king at? Herod's like, I'm right here. Like, no, not you. We're looking for that one that was born king. They knew about his authority. They knew that he had a high and a holy position. You're not going to worship him until you get him lifted up. You're not going to worship him until you see him or who he is. They knew not only the announcement, they knew the authority, but they knew that he should be adored. We are come to worship him. Now, I love this. It is not, I preach this a lot this year, and I love this about these wise men. These wise men, it's not unusual to see Jesus being worshipped. I mean, all throughout his earthly ministry, you found people falling at Jesus' feet and worshiping. That was not unusual. But here's what's unusual about this text Jesus hasn't done anything yet. He, he has not yet walked on the water. He's not yet raised the dead. He has not yet multiplied the bread and the fish and fed the multitude. He has not yet raised Lazarus from the dead. He has not yet healed blind Bartimaeus. He has not yet saved Lazarus or saved Zacchaeus. He has not yet preached the sermon on the mount. He has not yet been baptized by John the Baptist. He has not yet stepped on the bow of that ship in Mark 4 and calmed the storm. He's not rode in Jerusalem on that donkey yet to the shouts of Hosanna. He's not even went to Calvary and suffered and bled and died. He's not yet got up on resurrection morning. He has not yet ascended back into heaven to be our intercessor. He ain't done nothing yet. They're worshiping a little two-year-old boy. But they weren't worshiping him for what he, what he had done. They were worshiping for who he was. Psalm 150 says that we're to praise Him for His mighty acts. That's when we say, boy, I want to thank God uh, that He fixed this, God solved this, God met this need. We're to praise Him for His acts. Oh, but we worship Him, not because of what He does, but because of who He is. Hey, that means you can work. That's why Job could sit down in the ashes in Job 1 and worship. God hadn't done anything for him in Job 1. He lost everything he had. But you know what he can still do? He can still sit down and worship. Amen. I I tell you, he sat down. Uh, Job didn't have an offering in Job 1 to bring to God. Job 1, 5, he offered sacrifices every morning. But in Job 1, uh, verses 20 through 22, he don't have a sacrifice anymore. He don't have an offering to bring anymore. So you know what he does with Tony? He goes and he sits in the ashes. You know what the ashes were? The ashes were the remnants of yesterday's sacrifice. Here's what he done. He said, God, I don't have anything to bring you today. So I'm just going to sit down here and give you me. I'm going to sit down here the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away but blessed be the name of the Lord you know what that tells us oh, we can still worship when we don't have money when we don't have health when we don't have popularity we can still worship him because he is the Lord and he does not change he is the same yesterday that was Saturday today that's Sunday and forever that's all them other days thank God he is worthy of our worship not because of what he does but because of who he is well, preacher, you know everything. You know somebody's fixing to make an excuse when, excuse when they say everything. Well, you know, when God does this, I'm really going to worship Him. When God does that, I'm really going to thank Him. That's wrong. Because you praise Him for those acts, but you worship Him for, what he does, for who He is. Does He mean anything to you? You know why a lot of you don't worship when you come to church? He don't mean nothing to you. Talk to me now. Why well, some of y'all, I'm not talking about people with medical issues, but you know why some of y'all sleep and play on your phone and don't pay attention and you talk and, and all that stuff? Because he don't mean nothing to you. Hello? He's not precious to you. 
He don't mean anything to you. You're just going through a routine and keep somebody off your back. I'm telling you, that is not what church ought to be about. Church ought to come with an anticipation. I'm going to worship Him because He's God, because He's good, because He is Lord. He is my shepherd. He is my Savior. He is my friend. He is my comforter. He is my counselor. He is my advocate. He is the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley, the bright and the morning star. He is my shoulder, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He is the bread of life, the living water, the resurrection, the That's what we ought to worship Him for. Well, when He fixes this, I'm going to say, thank you, Jesus. No, that ain't how you do it. Amen. You worship Him because of who He is. If we'd get that principle down, it'd change the way you go to church. Some of you still ain't paying attention. If you'd worship Him for who He is, amen, you wouldn't wait on something to happen. You know, people go to church, well, I'm just waiting on something good to happen. It doesn't happen. These wise men, they, you know why they worship? Uh, Jesus hadn't done anything in Matthew 2 but show up. That's all he'd done. But hallelujah for that. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all the acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Thank God he came. He left the portals of glory to come down to save man. Amen. They worshiped him because of who he was. Does he mean anything to you? Does he mean anything to your family? Does he mean anything to your home? Does he mean anything in your life? I, I said it, but the rich lost people don't worship. I'll tell you why a lot of people don't worship with him, they're not even saved. They don't have a relationship with him. I'm not talking about something mystical. Y'all know me better than that. If I ain't proved myself in 11 years, I've, then I've done a horrible job. Or at least in the last five years, my goodness. I, ain't, I can't really account for those first six, all right? Uh, but... But, but what I'm saying this morning is, is that, do you have a relationship with God? Does He mean anything to you? Amen. Well, I just ain't vocal. Well, that's a good thing. That's okay, because worship ain't vocal. Praise is vocal. Worship is inward. Something stirs up in your heart. Uh, I may not get off this morning, but that's okay. The, the good thing about making the preaching schedule is if I don't want to finish it, I can just not finish it. And the good thing is I've preached these verses already in ten years. I was riding down the road the other day. I was heading to preach for Clay Collins and uh, in their Jubilee. And I was riding down the road and I had some music going. By the way, I get blessed in the truck. Yeah. Amen. Now, if I drove a Dodge, I couldn't get blessed. I'd be worried if I was going to make it there. But I was driving a Ford. I, I was driving a Ford with the Lord. Amen. And, and uh, we was just riding down the road. And, I had, and I'm just enjoying God and, and wiping tears and listening to music. And I look down and I'm going 68 and a 35. Yeah. And it wasn't when Grace left her keys on the back of the truck yesterday either. I am a safe driver, okay? Mike Austin left his cell phone on the back of his truck, and I didn't bust it either, okay? Uh, but I, I was enjoying God. But I knew if the trooper pulled me over that I couldn't blame that ticket on the Holy Ghost. He wouldn't have took that answer. You know what happened? Something was just stirring up in my heart. I was enjoying God and enjoying Him. I'm not talking about something mystical, but my heart got just got full. And just you ever, you ever just get just get your heart just get full. And maybe you're reading your Bible, maybe you're praying, or maybe you're just walking around the house. You're thinking about how faithful, how good God's been. What is that? Is worship bubbling up in your soul? And it just it's got to have a cutoff valve somewhere. Amen. The discernment. Let me let me give you something else. Oh, the discernment. But notice the desire of their passion. We are come to worship Him. 
Not only did they know he needed to be worshipped, but they had a desire to worship him. Well, preacher, I know Jesus is worthy to be worshipped. Well, do you have a desire to worship him? Is that your passion? I'm going to run through this quickly. It involved a decision. They took what they knew, that discernment, and made a decision about it. I have given you information this morning and I hope a little bit of inspiration. Now you've got to make a decision on what you're going to do with that. Brother William, they had received truth. And here's how they responded to their truth. They made a decision, but then they made a departure. They responded to that truth because the Bible said, our come, that means they left somewhere. They inconvenienced themselves to worship. They They left their family. They left friends. They left their means of financial gain. They left festivities. They left things behind to worship Him. Remember in Genesis 22, the first mention of worship, Abraham and Isaac go up the mountain. What did Abraham do? He told the young men, he said, y'all stay down here with the donkeys. And me and the lad are going up to worship. They left some things down at the mountain. And why some of you, boy, you know why some of you never worship? Because you won't leave nothing at the door. You won't leave nothing at the door. You won't leave, you're not willing to leave anything behind. You've got, and I know we're all busy, but everybody only gets 24 hours in a day, so quit crying about it. You don't get no more than what I do, all right? It's just how it is, okay? But, but I'm telling you, we ought to check some things at the door, get our mindset, and come in. And, and, that's why we can't get settled. We're so busy. So busy. We ought to set aside time to worship Him. It involves direction. Don't miss this truth. When they decided to, they wanted to worship Jesus, they didn't go to the lake. They didn't go to the family reunion. They didn't go to the ball field. They didn't know what it did. They went to where Jesus was. They didn't realize it then, but they started towards Jesus' house. Ain't that amazing? When they made a decision, they wanted to worship Jesus. They said, well, we better find the house where he's at. Aren't you glad you found the house of God? Aren't you glad we have a place that we can come to to worship Jesus? Hey, this church, we're not big. We're not great. We're not grand. We're nothing impressive. I mean, we're nothing. We're just us. Amen. But aren't you glad? This may not be a big place, a grand place, but it's our place. And we have a place we can come in and worship Him and magnify Him and lift Him up. I'm so glad I don't go to a dead church, a dry church. I'm glad I don't go to a contemporary church. I'm glad I'm in this church. Amen. Thank God we've got a place. Yeah, preacher, I love the church. Well, you going to be back Wednesday? I was listening to old preacher Johnny Morton yesterday, uh, maybe Friday, Mike Austin put an old recording of preacher Johnny Morton online. I was the last preacher up to ordain. He's 93 years old when he died. Son, he's a fireball. I mean, Lord, hell, every point had, every sermon had seven points. He could have been preaching on three reasons y'all to get saved today, and he had seven points. I mean, y'all knew him. Yeah, Travis Kelly, y'all knew him. Anybody else know Johnny Morton? Hold your hand up. Of course, Eric and Carolyn. Of course, my folks, Miss Francis, or Miss Francis, Miss Janice knew him. And uh, I was just him preach, and said, he is, he's a letting it roll. He said, I ain't never understood how Baptists can get to work every morning at 7 but can't make it to church at 10. Woo! I'm just quoting the man. But there's a lot of truth in that. What is, he made a decision to part. They made a direction. They went towards the house. There is the determination of their pursuit. The determination of their pursuit. What do I mean by that? When you make up your mind you're going to worship Jesus, you're going to leave things behind, you're going to check things at the door, you're going to go, get ready for some problems. They, they, they determined in spite of the day they were in. 
They're living in a very, very wicked day in Matthew 2. It was a wicked day because of social corruption. The Roman government's ruling. They're killing babies. The government was corrupt. Does that sound familiar? Where we're living at today, there was social corruption and spiritual coldness. Hadn't been a word from God in 400 years, and it didn't seem like anybody cared. Brother Clayton, they just like, well, it's okay. Churches are cold and dead. I was talking to Brother James Langston the other day. He's talking, and when he talk, when he gets on the phone, I just shut up and listen. He'll call and he'll say, I watched your program the other day. He don't call it Facebook Live. He calls it a program like it's an old TV show. Watched your program the other day. He said, oh, Grace done good singing. You did okay. <laughs> That's a good little Sunday school lesson you taught. That's what he'll say about my preaching. That's a good little Sunday school lesson. Hey, I'll take it. He said, Josh, he calls me Buddy. I don't know if he calls me Buddy because he can't remember my name. Or he just calls everybody Buddy. He'll say, Buddy. There's a dark cloud over old-timey churches now. You can't hardly worship anymore. I'm going to listen to what that fellow, he's been doing it 71 years. He, he probably got something on that. I said, he said, there's just a few spots where you can actually get, get a little worship in. A little wor- Boy, I, I hope it one of them spots. I hope God will let us unhook from the world. Worship Him in spite of the day. Well, it's just so bad out there. Duh. Four people on the earth in Genesis Four and one knocks the other one off. Somebody help me, okay? It's always been bad. There wasn't no TV, wasn't no guns, wasn't no alcohol, wasn't no Democrats yet. Someone still killed another one. It's just sin. That's the way it is. But you know what Abel's doing? He's still worshiping. And that's what these were. In spite of the day, in spite of the deterrent. You know what Herod's trying to do in this text? He's trying to hinder them. He's trying to stop them. You know why? Because Herod wanted worship. He didn't like that little phrase, he's born king of the Jews, because Herod was the king. Y'all with me? You know what we got to do? we got to make sure that we're not Herod when we come to church, Brother Tony. Because you know what Herod does? Herod makes it all about him. Herod makes all the attention about him, makes all the adoration about him, because he wanted the praise, he wanted the glory. And if we're not careful, we as preachers, we as singers, we as a choir, when we testify, we can do things just to show, to try to get attention. Boy, ain't they spiritual. Amen. I'm telling you, we better not make the attention about us. I preached somewhere sometime, I ain't going to say. And they announced me to come to the pulpit to preach. And I, you know, started at the pulpit and they all stand. <laughs> preach! Preach! They were saying preach, but it sounded like, <laughs> beating their Bibles, hollering. Well, I couldn't even hardly give them a text. I just stood there and pulled a Donald Trump. Yeah, great to be here. Great, great. Next year, Donald Trump and Richard Nixon, you know. What was that doing? That was giving praise to a preacher. I didn't want that. I made up my mind. If it ever happens again, I'm going to start reading the Bible. I'm going to start right there reading the Bible. Why? Because it ain't about me. It ain't about the preacher. I'm not against. We st- we'll stand. Oh, the preacher comes, but we're going to stand. We ain't going to act like it's, you know, Matt Olson just hit a three-run homer. Somebody help me, all right? For you refined people, that's the first base of the Atlanta Braves, all right? Uh, but what I'm saying, we ought not make it about a person. We ought not lift up a person or a preacher or a movie, all, 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 only lift up Jesus Christ. Amen. And if that's what they want to do at other places, that's fine. But anyhow, we're doing it here. I'll be lifting up Jesus. Y'all still with me? Despite the day, despite the deterrent. But I thought about this. I'm almost done. They determined to worship in spite of the darkness. Another misconception about this story is that star shone all two years while they followed it. But it didn't. Verse 2, for we have seen his star. I copied this from the book that I wrote that Miss 
Linda edited for me. Here's how you'll know that she edited it. The two words have seen are in the perfect pre, on the present perfect tense. Say, y'all know I ain't smart enough to write that. This tense shows an action that happened in the past that is directly related to the present. This means that the wise men saw the star and then it disappeared. Do I owe myself $10 after I copy that out of my book? I'm not sure how that works. Here's what I'm trying to say. They saw the star the night Jesus was born and then it disappeared. You know what they did? They walked in the direction that they saw and it didn't shine again until the night that they got to the house where Jesus was. So you know what them boys are doing? They're walking by faith. They're walking by faith in that direction. That, that's, that's the place I saw. And we got a word that he's going to be born in Bethlehem, so we might as well just head that direction. Then, here's the last thing, the, the delight of their presentation. Verse 11, when they come to the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother. They fell down and worshipped him. When they opened their treasures, they presented him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Those, you know, true worship is not about you getting something out of it. It's about bringing the Lord something. I've preached this before, but that gold was a diadem of royalty. It was a gift for a king, and that speaks to the fact that Jesus is our, takes care of the government. The government shall be upon his shoulder. That frankincense is the deity of righteousness. Frankincense was something that was used by the priests in the temple, which speaks of him taking care of our guilt. But then that myrrh. That myrrh was the pictures the death of the Savior. Myrrh could only be harvested by repeatedly wounding the tree to bleed the gum out. And that speaks of his grace. You want to worship him? Lift him up as the king. Have a pure heart, that frankincense. And go back to Calvary. See how he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. You know why we don't worship him like we should? Because we've got over Calvary. We've got over what Jesus did for us. These wise men, doesn't just mean they were smart or intelligent. It means that they studied the stars, not astronomers, not, not wickedness, okay? But they studied it for navigation purposes, things of that nature. When they saw that star, they knew that was something different. You know the kind of people that worship are going to be people that are looking up. They have their eyes on another world, looking into another heaven. You walk around like this on, you ain't never going to worship him because you've got your head down. But if you'll lift up your eyes, looking unto Jesus. Come on, Miss Linda, I'm done. The author, the finish of our faith, who that for the joy is set before him and endured the cross. Oh, come, let us adore him. Sing it. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Sing it one more time. Oh, come, let us adore him oh come let us adore him oh come let us adore him Christ the Lord he's worthy of it let's stand please I appreciate your attention she's beginning to play something on the piano softly God spoke to your heart this morning. These altars are open.